0: Welcome to the I Am A Woman podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Strickland, and I am absolutely so thrilled to bring this amazing friend of mine on the show. Her name is Sharla Janeka, and Sharla is a licensed therapist in Southlake, Texas. Welcome to... The I Am a Woman podcast. Charlotte, so fun to have you on. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. Charlotte is. EMDR certified, and she practices SRI and somatic experience to release trap, trauma, and pain from the body. As a therapist, she works to restore identity and wholeness by healing past trauma and the pain attached to the memories we carry. She serves teens, adults, and relationships in crisis. I'm sure there's plenty of those right including infidelity betrayal and porn sex addiction gender confusion and body dysmorphia charla serves as a pastor at gateway church and or served as a pastor there you go at gateway church and holds a master's degree in marriage and family therapy and a bachelor's in theology and biblical counseling wow you bring a wealth of knowledge to the table today i'm so grateful uh, that you came to have this conversation With me, I I think I'm not alone in the fact that I've been deeply concerned, especially over the last few years, uh, to see kind of the church's response to the pride movement, how we are going to handle uh, the huge influx of young women in particular who are dealing with body dysmorphia, which if, why don't you go ahead and define for my listeners really quickly what body dysmorphia is. And I'm also concerned about gender dysphoria. So while you're at it, Why don't you explain those two things? Because those are of deep concern for me in particular just because our ministry has been so involved in helping girls with healthy body image.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, I can give you a clinical definition, but if you just want it in layman's terms, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really think about with um, body dysmorphia is just it's missed. It's like a misunderstanding. You see you have a wrong view of self Okay. You despise, you feel shame, you dislike your body. Um, Your body is more, you'll look in the mirror and you might be, you know, very thin, but you will see every imperfection, every flaw. Mm -hmm. Um, I have the well, I noticed my first dimple at eight years old. I remember looking in the mirror and seeing all the cellulite all over my legs at eight. At eight? At eight. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, So it tends to start young? It does. Okay. A lot of times it does. You know, and we always talk about, well, maybe it's social media, comparison. But I always, I'm like, where did, who told you that? Where did you learn that? Mm -hmm. What did you hear that maybe latched on? Sure. And cultivated this this belief, this core belief that you are not good. And that you are shameful or that you are wrong somehow. Because there was, there was an introduction to that somewhere. You just don't like magically wake up with that, right?
0: Oh, no, it's really true. I mean, when you say that, of course, it taps into my brief experience with anorexia. But being in the modeling industry and the pressure for perfection, that's where I learned it. I mean, that's 100%. I, I learned it. Um, And I think I hear from a lot of girls as well that they learn it from their mothers or their mothers say something or their fathers or people at school or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So body dysmorphia is uh, it's really unique calling that you have to work with people who have so much going on under the surface. And I want to talk about about the lies that that uh, girls in particular believe, but men and women believe what's happening with gender
1: dysphoria Well, that is where you feel like you're in the wrong body. Like girls that are, you know, born with a vagina Mm -hmm. and this is the way that you're biologically created as a female um, believe that they are maybe were supposed to be born as a male. And so they'll want to transition or they will. But what happens is really the shame the dysmorphia and then the dysphoria come in. And it's like a whole nother level because it's like who I am is wrong. So it's a a major, like shame, you know, when we make decisions or something happens to us and we take this false responsibility for it, um, you know, when we're abused. But we are the ones that walk away with the shame feeling like it's our fault. If I wouldn't have been there, if I wouldn't be like this, this wouldn't have happened, it must be something wrong with me. When really, no, as a child and an adult abuses you, it is about the adult, right? They are the abuser. But we take all this false responsibility on. And so, like, um, you know, I have one uh, client that is walking through um, transitioning, and he says, well... This person would always yell, and it would be like, well, so as a little girl, you go, if I was a boy, nobody would talk to me like this, and I could defend myself if I was a boy. Okay, You wouldn't hit me. You wouldn't talk to me this way if I was just a boy because, you know, boys. so then you get this ideology in you, Mm. and it's like, well, if I become a boy, I'm going to be protecting myself, and nobody's going to pick on me. It can even be that— quick of a, of a of seed planted mm. that the enemy of your soul latches onto and distorts, perverts, and twists and makes you despise who you are. And so some out of safety, like this person in particular, mm-hmm. this little girl was not safe and took on the ideology that if I'm a boy, I'm going to be safe. People aren't going to pick on me. People aren't going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. I'm better off as a boy. Mm-hmm. And so they transition in that way. And then start rolling socks and doing all the things to pretend to to be a boy. Wow. So
0: you are uh, unique in, in my view and very special and very called mm-hmm. because particularly, I believe, I know you work with all kinds of people who deal with all kinds of issues, right, from marriage to infidelity, like you, like I read in your bio, pornography and so forth. With the massive wave of uh, girls coming out as transgender, and that just huge spike. Tell me about your work with gay, non-binary, transgender people. How do you get beneath
1: the surface? Mm-hmm. I think the first thing um, is really establishing safety and connection as a therapist. And I'm not here to change people. That is not my job. I believe that my job is to love people and the Holy Spirit's job to shift them, whatever that looks like for them. But my, my perspective is that I go in <clears throat> because I don't—when people say, oh, well, I identify as this or, or, or that— You know, I'm walking in. I'm like, you're somebody's son or somebody's daughter. You're a child of God. You are, you know, this is who you were first. You're first a son and a daughter, and you're loved, and you're worth loving. And so let's go find out where these wounds and these pains are, pain points are. And so you can safely process without fear of judgment, because it's not my job to judge them, Mm because I'm not in it to change them. I'm not God. And so I feel like if I can just point them and the direction to to begin to go back and reprocess. Because when you do trauma work, it's not replaying. I want to say this for people that are really afraid of processing and of therapy. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of. If you have a good therapist, mm-hmm. it's going to be like reprocessing your memories, where you're maybe your big girl is watching your what happened with your little girl yes. in this moment. Yes. And so you're watching it like a narrative going around and it, but you also have this chance to go back. And what would you say to that little girl? What's the truth? What is the lie that you believed in that moment? What were you fearing? Whose fault was that? Was that on her? Was that on him? Mm-hmm. And then as the adult, you get to use your voice because powerlessness is the major, um, I think, wound that I see with people because their power was taken away. They had no voice. They had no say mm-hmm. if it was abuse or trauma. And so trauma work is so pivotal when you combine that and then you introduce the resource of the Holy Spirit in a safe way. Because when I work with, um, like, gay and trans, my gay and trans clients, they're like, Charlotte, I never, you know, I never knew a, a kind God before Coming in here with you, I've always been told I was going to hell. I've been shamed. I've been condemned. I've felt my own guilt because I've been told that I am wrong. My you know my whole life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when they can come in and have an encounter with the one who created them, Who's and kind. He loves them right where they're at. Right, like He loves me and my mess. Right, you know LGBTQ and trans. You see everything on the outside, mm-hmm. and people assign. That's you know they assign their judgment upon that, right? And right. I just go in it and I see a person. I I um, tell the story. I told you the story about being in and out, and these four like beautiful men were sitting at the in a table, and I was walking out. My husband's waiting on me, and. looked at him. He was like, I'll be in the car. (laughs) Because I always get words sometimes for people, which means I just had a... I I walked by them and I saw dollar signs over all of their heads. And I knew I had something to share with them. And this was at an In-N-Out burger? Yes, at midnight after a concert. We were on the way home. And I walked up to him and I just said, "Hey, my name is Charlotte." And I said, "I just saw something so interesting over you. Would you mind if I share?" And they were like, "Sure." So I shared the words, and it was really over financial stewardship and over, you know, that they have the power of wealth and stewarding these things. But as I got around the table to the the last two guys, it shifted, and I began to prophesy over we like, "You are a good son." You are loved. I don't know what happened to you, but I want you to know mm-hmm. that you know that was man that hurt you, and not God. Mm-hmm. God loves you, and I began to just um, talk to Him about acceptance. And so when we when I finished, mm-hmm. I said, "Well, how that?" They're like, that's really nice." They said, "But we know what that was. That was prophecy." And um, we're gay, and in fact, we're married. So, what do you think about your prophetic word now? And mm-hmm. I and I mean, I'm telling you the, the power of God because He's so good. He filled my mouth with the right words. I said because you know, when I walked up, I didn't see gay. I didn't see right trans. I just saw somebody's son. I saw a man like sitting here, a boy. I'm like an uncle, a father, maybe a friend. I'm like. I've been divorced, but I don't identify as divorced. I don't wear a big D scarlet letter on my shirt everywhere I go. I said, "I hope you don't identify as gay." I'm like, "You're a man. You're a son. You're somebody's son. You're what's your name?"
0: I see. Oh, I just love that, and they I just started that. crying because that is that is the problem that I'm having honestly with this whole sexual gender identity. Identity The the combination, Charlotte, between this is my identity, well, does that mean her identity over there is raped and her identity over there is molested and her identity over there, like you said, is is adulterous or (laughs) divorced or Mm -hmm. trafficked or all of the girls that we work with, my understanding is that they are daughters of God. And so... Isn't it true, though, that there are laws right now with therapists, and I don't really know exactly Mm -hmm. what they are. There's laws with therapists that say you have to affirm that identity. In other words, yes, yes, you're trans. Yes, you're gay. Yes, you're non-binary. I agree with you. That's to be celebrated. How do you get to the underlying issues and teach them their true identity if you're affirming a false identity?
1: Or do you just do your own thing and not really worry about? <laughs> I do my own thing because I feel like when the Lord says, when we can go in and reintegrate, you know, for instance, if you, if I have a client and we're reprocessing childhood trauma and that can look like physical abuse, spiritual abuse, mental abuse, narcissism, neglect. um, You know, mom, some of them it's simple as mom forgot to pick me up every day after school. Dad didn't pick me up. They left me at the football field until nine o'clock at night and I was by myself. What does that say? It's a fear of abandonment that gets set in at a young age, Mm -hmm. that insecurity, and it latches on. And so it's an underlying core belief that you have that comes with that fear and a lie attaches of, I'm not valuable. I'm not worthy. They don't love me. I'm not lovable. And so Um, I'm probably off the thing, but when I go in, I feel like the Lord is just like, just do what I've called you to do, and I'm going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Because when I love people, I'm in it to mine for gold. We don't need to take out people's trash, and it is not my job to take out your trash. It's not my job to expose you, to shame you, to indict you, to tell you it's wrong who you are. Because I feel like, number one, you know when you're doing something that's not right. You— People know when they're sinning. I don't have to tell people. Usually, they know it. There's already a, enough of guilt and 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 shame attached. Right. People need a safe place to process to pull that trauma and those lies off, and and to begin to reintegrate these memories and your person. Because we trap and we stop at the age of our trauma. It's in us. And so when someone get, gets triggered, you will usually often revert back to that age. Mm. So I see that a lot with addicts, um, or sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, um, talk about that. An addiction, the first time you use, you know, drugs or whatever, where it caught you, um, you'll revert back. So if something, somebody is triggered, have you ever, um, my husband's going to kill me for this.
0: Well then, don't say it because I don't want you dead. We well, need I'm you. Well, I'm just going to give you a fun example. <laughs> so,
1: um, my husband and I, when we f- were first married, uh-huh. you know, I had something happen and he was upset, and I walk in and he's like, kind of vacillating and like, na 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 na, talking, and he's kind of like, I could tell he's like stomping his feet around and like maybe slammed a a, a,
0: a sure. door, like sure. the cabinet
1: maybe a little bit, and I was like what age are you? Like, are you 12? Like, what what are you doing? Adults don't act like this. Uh-huh. Like, what are you doing? But here's what I did. I'm like, you know what? When you can talk to me like an adult, then I'll be back. And I would get in my car and leave and go to, like, Target or the mall and go walk around, you know, okay. just for a little bit. I wouldn't leave forever, but here's the deal. In his past, he's had people that really did leave if he would act up. Uh huh. And then me... I grew up and if somebody yelled, it would trigger me and I would just like Mm-mm, shut down. Uh-huh. So do you see what I brought into my marriage? Right. I left and then what he saw modeled in his home was that the dad yelling and doing the things. Right. So we're just repeating. We bring the dysfunction of the past becomes the dysfunction in your present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Right. So I feel like like even as my husband and I've talked, I'm like, so what was going on at 12? Right. Like, what was your life like then? And then the Holy Spirit would bring a, a memory up because your amygdala holds your implicit and explicit memories. So those are things that you remember and things that you do not. Right, And then your thalamus and hippocampus, it processes the data, says, mm, this is needless. Um, this should go to the front of your brain, like 2 plus 2. What is 2 plus 2? It's going to go up here. Or if it's something like that, you might get hijacked if you go into a sympathetic response and it's like stranger danger, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm triggered because... He would be like, are you leaving? Did you leave? Are you really leaving? Sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. So he's in that sympathetic response. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, be, I'd have to be like, no, no, we're going to have these agreements now, right? And so I want you to know I'm never going to leave, leave. But we agreed to take space right, until we can do this. And so anyway, so as you're processing trauma as um, like going back through that, whether it is um, gay and transgender person or just like any person, any person, any person humanity. Okay, let's just say when we have trapped trauma in our body and and when we go back and we deal with that and we heal with it, because I really believe that it's amazing how your brain brings up exactly what needs to be brought up. Mm. It's phenomenal. God created us mind, body, soul, and spirit. Mm. And when we operate in unity, we heal. Mm. And so... um, When they do, and we go back and heal that, and we reintegrate that part of ourselves, we take it back. But instead of feeling powerless and shut down, and maybe we believed a lie at that moment that said we weren't good enough, or you're wrong, who you are is wrong. Mm -hmm. And we realize, no, that was about them. It wasn't about me. And so the righteous anger and this identity can come back in, and you restore in healed. Mm -hmm. And so little by little, I feel like my job is just to reintegrate those memories and that identity it restores identity and so you can love yourself because it really goes down to you don't love yourself
0: really and 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 I love that that trapped trauma or those painful experiences where we began believing some kind of lie about ourselves that's something that we
1: all experience. Oh, yes. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not unique to a no, not unique to a demographic at all. It's humanity. It's the way we're made.
0: So then what is it about the LGBTQ community that Christians aren't just going after what's the trauma? Is there a lot of trauma in that community? And what is that? Because if we Ourselves have trauma, and I know you call it like an iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's the tip of the iceberg, and then there's all the things underneath. Underneath. And the job of a therapist, in my understanding, is not to just pat the top. We don't treat behaviors. We don't. You don't treat behaviors or symptoms.
1: Or symptoms. What do you mean by that? It means I'm going down to the root because everything from the bottom pushes up. If you think about it pressure, he, it rises, right? Right. And so when a trigger occurs, which is like gonna create a physiological response to that perceived fear mm-hmm. or the thing that you know that you see you. So um, a friend that was abused, her abuser got out of jail, and she was uh, driving around one day and just like literally took her kid to the park and looks across the park. And sees her abuser from her childhood. Wow. She got hijacked. Sure. Like super fast. Right. And so um, she had to tell herself, I am safe. I am safe. She had to regulate, right? She, and then, but what she did was she went home and she wanted to cut. She wanted, like, because the abuse caused behaviors and symptoms for her to self medicate. So she would try sure. to control everything around her. She would triple check the doors and the locks. She, she found herself going back into these patterns where she had been safe for years, mm. gone through therapy, gone through healing, felt safe. But then the one day that she sees sure. him... Across the park because they notify the victims when they get out of jail. Uh She goes back into cutting. She goes back into um, like the checking the doors. Am I safe? And then she starts obsessing over is my child going to get adopted? So she can't leave her child with anybody, not even grandparents. Not I mean like there's no safety for her. So she took a nosedive right back into her trauma. Well, was that something that happened to her right then? Was it seeing the guy? Was not the trauma. The right. trauma was her little girl Sure, w- went back into, I'm not safe, stranger danger. So it was all from the root underneath that pushed up and caused the, her to manifest in all of her self-medicating behaviors again. Sure. And so, so, so a, how, do you,
0: how do you reach that little girl or that little boy inside of someone who is struggling with their identity?
1: You have to go back to the little boy and the little girl. We have to go back. And, you know, it's interesting because I can sit with someone and your brain will take you when you partner with the Holy Spirit or even without it, like your true self, right?
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. who we are is just good. And I practice. Um, I've been learning and uh, I'm working towards a certification that I want to I get in internal family systems. Mm-hmm. And so, but with EMDR and pairing that and then you pair the resource of the Holy Spirit in there. Mm-hmm. Because when when you invite the Holy Spirit into your like your life, into your situation, into your trauma. If God was present in your present, if he's present in your future, because we pray and believe, right? Mm-hmm. Well then he was present in your past. Mm-hmm. So when we go back into that past and we have a safe place and we know we're processing, reprocessing this this experience, we had this memory that popped up. Sure. And then Our big self, you know, like we're totally safe because we know we're here right now. Mm -hmm. And um, we're looking at that and we're speaking. And then we say, hey, Holy Spirit, where are you? Where were you in this moment? Show up in this moment right now. Sure. I've done that many times. And so it's powerful. It's a powerful, um, I know Dina calls it time travel. Mm-hmm. I love her mm-hmm. uh, it's from the symptoms to the secret. That's right. Book. You know, I still use the emotional template that she has. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll there. definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. She's
0: referring to Dina Morgan's uh, really, really valuable trauma workbook called uh, from the symptoms to the secret. And uh, I had the opportunity to edit that mm-hmm. book. And so when you edit a book, you have to go over and over and over and over and over. I bet you did. And you have to pretend like you're a participant, right? And so over and over and over and over again, editing that book, mm-hmm. I healed from so many lies and so many memories that I didn't realize
1: were still um, inside of me, and it really brought deeper healing. It does bring a deeper—it brings yeah. freedom. And I want to circle back to your question, because do you, what do you think— you said, if I heard you right— mm-hmm. What do you think with the the LGBTQ community, right? Right. And and trauma, are they being... Is there, yeah, is there more trauma? Is there... So... I mean, we all have it, right?
0: But do you find that there is a significant amount of trauma? That's my first question. And my second question is, if that's the case, why is every... Why is it that Christians are pushing them away. We're going to talk about this more on the next episode, but cuz but before we end this episode, I want to talk about parents. So, let's back up. Okay. If you're talking about trauma, well, isn't isn't someone who is unhealed isn't that the whole purpose of Jesus? Isn't that the whole reason why he came? And, and why aren't we inviting them into that space? What are we scared of? So talk to me okay. about that. I want to answer
1: your first question. Yes. Um, yes. So we all have trauma. Everybody has got painful experiences. We have captive places, prison places. We've got broken hearts. Like all of humanity does because we're imperfect, right? Right. And we experience pain. Sure. So as to... I personally... Um, have only had a couple of clients that come in and I'm like, so you know, when I'm taking, the, I do the family history sure, and I'm like experiences, trauma, abuses, we're going all over all the things in the history and I've only had maybe one or two say, no, I don't think I have any trauma. Mm-hmm. No, nope. But every other client that I have that is in this demographic, they have extreme trauma because growing up, they were alienated, ostracized. That in itself, that spirit of rejection is painful. If your mm. parents, and, and we'll get into the parents, because what happens when kids come out, if they don't know how to do it and the parents are not emotionally attuned and healthy or if they have um, a performance mentality, mm. Like living vicariously through my kids, so my kids are going to be perfect, and they're going to be better than I was, and you know I'm going to do everything right and be the perfect parents. And then your kids show up, and they're like, "Dude, I'm choosing drugs. I'm going to be homeless, and I'm gay." Hey, right? Or I'm just, you know, right. I don't think I'm in the right body. And parents don't know how to deal with it, right? So sure. that's traumatizing because the responses and the reactions they get send another message from Kid- the parents, from the parents, not just from parents from from their peers at schools, from teachers, sure. um, from everything and bullies. so bullies like, it, it's traumatizing it be, right it can be
0: one statement from one bully honestly so, at school yes. that that plants a seed, seed inside of you and also like you said in the spiritual realm there is a spirit of rejection there is a spirit of mm-hmm. victim victim the victim spirit yeah right and so what can attach to you is i what i'm rejected um, I'm rejected by Christians. I'm a victim. And
1: now God is mad at me. God hates me, or I hate. Or and I hate, I hate church, everybody else. <laughs> I hate everybody else. Or right. and it it brings in. It opens the door um, for a spirit of offense. You right. If because, you really want the truth, because I see so many people offended with everybody. If you have a different opinion than me. If you don't honor and respect my things now. And I'm like, wait a minute. Let's all like. Let's back up and let's heal that place where you were rejected and now you're rejecting. Does that make sense? Because Girl, what was that done to so them, they're turning sense. on. So let's go back and let's, hey, who rejected you? What happened to you? Where did this, this come in? Because um, so they have this trauma as kids because something happened to make you feel that you are wrong. Like and obviously. so, when someone
0: feels like they've been rejected, and someone feels like they are wrong, do they then actually um, like cast that? On others, like you said, reject others and say others are always wrong, and they can't handle others
1: disagreeing with them. Is that? I think it depends on the personality, but that is one symptom of it of pain. That and is so. The answer is
0: let's heal that place of
1: rejection, because we can yeah, only we can, can only under heal the eyes, <laughs> yes, and then when they, you know, what do people do? Like I always think of the church like a emergency room. What do people go when they're hurting? They want to go to the church, right? They Usually, should, or they go to somebody pray. That's the hope. And if they go there and get rejected, well, it's more trauma. It's more shame.
0: And are you? And do you find that as a particular trauma in that community? Yes. Rejection by yes. the church. Rejection oh, by yes. peers. Rejection by parents. Okay. And
1: okay, that this is the very mm. people. That we are to love, like every, we're to love everyone and brothers and sisters, right? It says there is no Jew, Gentile, Greek, male nor female. Like it, I was reading that the other day and he's like, because they were um, saying that in order to be a believer, you have to be circumcised. And so Paul and Barnabas is in Acts 12 and Paul and Barnabas went, they literally went back to Jerusalem to go to the synagogue, to go research this and talk about it. And they came away with, no, in Christ. You, to be saved, there is no you know, Jew or Greek, male, female, everyone. Mm-hmm. God loves us all, and He loves us in our humanity. And I think one of the big lies in religion, with the spirit of religion, because um, it's like God expects us and the church expects us to drop our humanity at the door before we go in. We have to be cleaned up, nice, perfect, and put on our best face to go to church, to be in church, to be loved by God. To be known by God. And God is not waiting on us it to get cleaned up. He way. went to the masses and he loves people because what happens, love changes everything. Um, John 14, three times it says, Loving you, loving me empowers you to obey my voice. It says it three times in there. And I was sitting there doing my makeup one day and I was like, Lord, I do love you, but I just still mess up. I just. Gosh, sure. you know, all the things of like, Lord, I wanna do this better and I wanna be better, do better, and act better. I wanna right. You know what I mean? That that even in my life, right? Sure. And so I just heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, Sharla He said, Yeah, he said Loving me does empower you to obey my voice. He goes, but it's when you know that you're so loved, it's easy to obey my voice because you don't have fear. You're not motivated out of turmoil and out of this pressure to perform or to be a certain way. You just know you're loved, seen and known by me, Mm -hmm. and we do it. And you you live from a place of abundance and a place of power. Mm You know, a place of authority and identity. When you know you're loved, that's what humanity's greatest longing is—to be seen, known, and loved. And it I makes me
0: so sad. Feel like the
1: church has done a good job of that, but we're working no. on it. We are working. We on are it. working
0: on it. We're working. We're going to get
1: training, yes. in for the pastors. Because what happens? It's just like parents come in sometimes, and if you've been brought up in in, in a religious, you know, shiny, happy people's been out. I know exposing a lot of that 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 performance and I mean like that was just a cult basically it was basically it cult? a cult yeah. And I, understand, I mean like yeah. that astounds me right I won't even go there we'll get totally sidetracked but anyway, it's not I have hold. a lot to say well on that I'm right. gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> put a hold
0: that. I'm actually gonna put a hold on the con- on the conversation about parents we'll talk about parents and the and the duty of the church more in depth on the next episode but this is what I what I really feel on my heart to say right now. Jesus in Isaiah says that Jesus was despised and rejected by men. If Jesus was despised and rejected by men, then we have to ask the question, Why is the church, why are so many Christians, and trust me, it's not all of them, it's not all of them, and like you say, we are all wanting to figure out how to love better, but why is it that we're having such a hard time loving people who feel despised and rejected? Jesus was despised. Mm -hmm. And rejected by men. And I think we might be underestimating, just after talking with you, we might be underestimating, Charla, the pain of the bullying, the rejection, the being feeling ostracized, ostracized, feeling like I'm there's something wrong with me, that I've been rejected, that those that a lot of people. Um, in the LGB community, community, probably feel. And if we could just, you know, you, we were talking about this the other day and you, you, you said to me, you know, Jen, when you read the gospels, you read, Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion, moved with a compassion. Jesus did this moved with compassion. Jesus did that. What's it going to take For people right now, with all of the division in our country, with the real disgust, honestly, regarding a lot of the things that went on, you know, in the Pride parades, it was difficult to look at, that were, you know, men exposing themselves and so forth. There's a lot of shame involved, there's a lot of blame, there's a lot of finger pointing. What is it going to take to change the tone so that people are going to feel like, that church right there, I'm going to knock on that church. Like, I'm going to find a therapist there, or I'm going to go and worship. Yeah. I'm going to go and worship. I'm I'm going to go... I'm going to go and sit. Or I'm going to go and maybe hand out pamphlet. I'm going to go and do something. And what's it going to take,
1: Charlotte, to change the tone so that people feel more welcome? You know, I've never seen anyone grow under judgment. People grow, and they rise up to who they're created to be when they're called out, when the gold is called out, when you— can look with eyes of love and when you can see with empathy and not be threatened or triggered by this. And I think a lot of people are just afraid of something different. That's the other thing. Or they see it as sin. They're so black and white. You know, you hear this, we're not going to whitewash the gospel. We're not going to water it down. And, you know, sin, 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 sin. Well, God is not sin conscious. I do not believe that. Jesus sees in the beginning, he sees us through the shed blood of Jesus, the, it, it, through the cross, He sees us as, as we are, as He loved. sees yeah. us as loved and seen and known and whole. Mm-hmm. And we have an invitation to step into that kingdom identity, but it's never going to get anybody there with judgment. Judgment will staunch the flow of love every time. It shuts it down. Um, I was reading about Paul and Barnabas again in Acts and It says that the people got jealous or they didn't like what Paul and and Barnabas were preaching the gospel. And he said that the people got jealous and angry, the Pharisees did, because they didn't like the attention they were getting or they didn't like how they looked. And he said that they went and found the religious women who went and incited a riot against them.
0: Mm.
1: And I was like, wow. And... After they got thrown out of that city, I, it said, and Paul and Barnabas, as a sign to that rejection, shook the dust off of their feet. And they went on to the next town, and they, God showed up. But they just kept going. And so I want to say to anyone who's been hurt by the church, mm-hmm. keep going, because that is man that has hurt you. It is not God. God loves you. God wants to draw near to you. God wants to heal you, restore you. Mm-hmm. He wants you to come alive to who you're created to be and manifest all the beautiful things that He put in you. And you, who you are is good. Like, not in who you're going to be. Like, I used to have this when-then theology of when I get this degree, then I'll teach, or when I you know, achieve this, or when I do this, then I'll do that. Like, it, it was this performance thing. Like, I needed sure. to have all this. Jesus, He just wants you right now, right where you're at, in your messy mess, all of it. He loves it. And you're not too much for Him.
0: I, I so agree with that. And and we're going to end on that note today. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the I Am A Woman podcast. I want you to remember what Charlotte just said is that we don't win people through judgment and condemnation. And it really is going to take every single one of us to humble ourselves and to look at the fact that every person walking around has sin. Every person Mm -hmm. walking around has trauma. And every person walking around is loved by Jesus Christ. And He desperately wants them to heal Mm -hmm. and to know that they are valued, that they are precious. Yes, yes. And it's going to begin with us. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for being on the show, Charlotte. My
1: pleasure. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Charlotte will be back next week. Thanks for joining us on the I Am A Woman podcast. Remember, I am a woman, and my name means life. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please take a moment to leave us a review and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Our email address is support at youaremore.org. That's support at the letter U, the letter R, M-O-R-E.org. And follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to connect with you guys over there. My handle is at Jennifer Strickland underscore author. I am so happy to have you a part of the show. Thanks so much for listening. You Have a blessed day.